Sam Rossiano and Michael Lucas. Which one do you prefer? I'll tell you which one you prefer. The one I prefer. This is Emsolation. The night before my wedding, I walked in and there was Em and Adrian. What was going on? I am openly whoring stuff and you guys will applaud it. There are these weird parallels at times with you and Trump. There's a whore in the house. You're in Emsolation. So, Chris, um, we all know you're circumcised. Tell us more. Well, here we are. I'm a bit mosh. The final episode of Emsolation for 2020. When Michael and I first started this in April, we didn't really know what was going to happen. We didn't know if anyone was going to listen. We didn't know. I mean, we thought our conversations were entertaining. We didn't know if other people would. <laughs> but it turns out thousands of you do. And, and I'm just so grateful because this is something that I've been able to make that has been truly true to myself and my best friend and unfiltered, um, unrestrained. And for those of you who are still here, I understand we probably lost a lot of people along the way. But for those of you, if you're still here, if you're listening to this episode, I see you. I appreciate you. Your ears and your interest has really kept me going. <laughs> That's not a word of a lie. I had I had two appointments each week that I had to get up for. I mean, obviously all the kids and everything else, but, you know, that's a given. That's what you have to do. But to kind of keep me ticking over professionally and keep my soul from shriveling up into a prune, I knew that I had the two episodes to record each week. And it kept Michael and I, you know, obviously we talk a lot, but it enabled us to really kind of have juicy interactions. Um, so that is, this is just my very long-winded way of saying thank you for believing in us and for loving us and all the things. So I have a few announcements. Da, 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 da. So we're obviously having some time off now, but the Instagram will still be going. We'll be posting updates there and there'll be a few updates to come at Emsolation Podcast. My daughter Marcella runs it, if you're not aware. And um, if you want to keep across what's happening with the podcast over summer, uh, that's where you'll need to be. That is where you'll be able to communicate with Michael and I and, um, yeah, just a way of all of us keeping in touch over the Christmas holidays. The next bit of news is that we will be dropping to one episode a week next year and that is just because uh, things are picking back up work-wise for me and I've been feeling a bit overwhelmed and I do a lot of the organising and back end of the podcast mainly because Michael is super busy and I want to make it as easy as possible for him to be able to do it. So, um, yeah, I've got shows and, and jobs and things coming in and the, and the kids and, and I just I want to really still enjoy it. I don't want this to be a chore. So we're going to be doing once a week next year. The show will come out on Thursdays. It'll still be the same thing you love. It'll probably be a little bit longer. And every now and then there'll be obviously emsolation conversations. The final bit of exciting news is that the podcast is going fully independent next year. My production company is going to make it. I will wholly own it. Um, it's very exciting. It's The time is right. It's a bit scary because basically that means I'm now completely financially responsible for paying everyone and, uh, you know, we're hoping to get some great sponsors on board. But um, to my patrons, this is where you definitely come into play. You'll help us keep going next year as a female-led, fully independent podcast. And if you'd like to become a patron and you want to help us keep going next year, you can do that at mraciano.com forward slash listen. But, uh, yeah, this podcast will be – totally made by in-house here at M. Rossiano Productions, which is pretty exciting. 
Honestly, it's the first, first kind of thing of its kind that I'll be doing with my little production company. So there are all the things that I needed to tell you. Um, yeah, I just, I don't know, I just wanted you to really, really hear in my voice and know in my heart how grateful I am for you guys and the community that we have found through Emsolation. It's been an amazing old time. So I'm going to bring Michael Lucas in for the last time this year. Uh I have a story to tell. And remember on Tuesday I said to you, remind me to tell you about when I finally hit the wall with my family and had the meltdown about this year. (laughs) My pandemic meltdown happened while we were down at the beach and you're about to hear the story. And it is a story. It is an epic story. Um, One that involves many twists and turns, a train, some slow cooking. I don't know. You'll get it when it comes. And then uh, Michael Lucas is put to the test. It's the ultimate Madonna fan. We do a Madonna quiz with Michael Lucas. We also kind of touch on what's been going on with Lizzo. It had to be said. All right, guys, have a wonderful Christmas. I'll, I'll see you at the end. I'll come back. I'll come back. I won't do all the goodbyes now. I'll just say, play the music. M. Rossiano and Michael Lucas. This is M. Salation. Well, here he is. Last episode of the year, Michael Lucas. I know. Oh. It feels like an achievement, but is that is that bad to think of it as an achievement? No. We have not missed an episode since we began in April. In, wow. the, in the lockdown, we turned up twice a week, sometimes three times a week, despite what was going on for both of us, which at times was fucking hectic. I have no qualms in saying, "Well done, us." Well done, and <laughs> yeah, and it, I, I think it counts for more than <laughs> it feels like more than a year for sure, like a <laughs> lot more. But I, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Like, I really have. And at the start, I've always floated the idea with you of, well, you know, we should do something, we should do something, and you've always been like, "Oh yeah, yeah." But then when I suggested that we do this together, you still didn't have belief until. We pretty much did the first ad. I don't think it was possible for me to comprehend that it would be just literally us (laughs) chatting in a way like you've just rung me and we're having a chat and that's what it is. Like I thought, I don't know, I thought there would be all sort of, there'd be some persona and I would need to, I don't know what I, I just thought it would be a whole lot of work and and, um, in actual fact, I mean, I don't want to, if people have the impression I do lots of work before coming on this, I really don't. This is really what we talk like oh, but time. I feel like you, you do. do. I'm, you do. I yeah, don't. I do. But well, I just want us not to get sued, so I just make sure I've got all the facts straight. But I just feel like you do a lot of incidental work. You consume content willingly. You consume more content willingly <laughs> yeah, than like do most that anyway. Radio <laughs> announcers I know. Like you do it without a platform to then spew your unsolicited opinion onto. <laughs> That's it's amazing. True. I hate it's to funny. say, but, you know, if Harry Styles is posing provocatively with a banana, that's something I'm going to be across whether or not I have to talk about it on a podcast. I would do that for yeah. free. Actually, Odie and I had an argument about Harry at dinner the other night because, um, well, queer TikTok, some have turned on Harry feeling that what he did was performative and they don't – like that whole argument of it's not brave and why is he doing it? Is he doing it because he's trying to maybe – lull women into a false sense of security and make them feel safe around him? Is this a play? Oh, so I don't I know about watching- that. I do think you could see it as gay baiting for sure, but I don't, yeah. I don't think it's a, like entrapment of women. And me. Odie was like, mum, TikTok love Harry Styles. She was really offended. So I feel like you and her were very much one in that moment. I love like- that Odie is the international spokesperson for TikTok. 
She also was talking about whitewashing of one of her favourite um, manga cartoons and also accused her sister of not asking for consent when she pushed her under the water in the pool. So it was a really eye-opening weekend for me with my daughters. We've been away. Um, to know that TikTok is teaching Odie about Harry Styles. She knows about queer TikTok, whitewashing and consent. Wow. And that's when she's not on the witch TikTok. <laughs> oh, witch TikTok. I love witch TikTok. I'm really hoping to get accepted into witch TikTok. I don't know how yet. but I'll I'm get just there. so impressed that you're forging in. As we've discussed, TikTok is the frontier that I just have accepted oh, in my no. heart. I'm not going to yeah, crack same. into. It, every oh, time no. I click on it, it's like this weird portal into this whole world that I just, I know is not for me. I agree. I only have a tiny window because I have birthed Gen Z's. That's the only reason. Mm. That, that otherwise, I'd be with you. You don't have a Gen Z in the house. You don't have TikTok constantly playing and constantly being informed of things like, you know, the genesis of feminism. Um, <laughs> Which has oh, been summed up in me. the perfect snappy TikTok yeah. clip. Please tell me how um, feminism was birthed via some swishy, lazy dance moves. Please. Mm. That would be amazing. The worst thing is I do click on reels on Instagram sometimes, which oh. I feel like uh, <laughs> like for pathetic people that are scared of TikTok, you can just have a little bit of reels if you want. I know what that's, that's what yeah. it is. <laughs> no, yeah. I kind of hate myself, but I still look. I find reels terrifying. It's like page two of Google. It's essentially the dark web. I don't <laughs> understand them. Hey, speaking of actually Gen Z, uh, I didn't think we'd spend our last episode discussing intersectional feminism and diet culture, but here we are. (laughs) What a way, what a tease. (laughs) I know. Don't worry, we're going to get to fun stuff. But I've been really kind of monitoring a couple situations. First of all, Lizzo posted on her Instagram that she was doing a smoothie detox, a cleanse, 10 days of basically just juice smoothies and she had some beauty water in the fridge also it did look delicious did you see the shot of the beauty water in the fridge uh i think i missed that one i saw most of the story it was like a a thermos full of like fruit and it was pink and it had some apple and cut up stuff and obviously lizzo's kind of become the unofficial face of the body positive movement she talks things about loving yourself no matter what no matter what kind of stereotype you think you may or may not fit into and I think a lot of women look to her as a beacon of just accepting the, the skin you're in, especially in a tough year like this. Mm. So she's posted the uh, – I saw it go up on Instagram and the, the before and after shots especially where she's spinning around. And, and sure enough, I saw the backlash. It was swift. It was fast. It was brutal. People are not happy, Michael. And, when and, and I, I'm also aware there's been a backlash to the backlash. 100%. Always. And yeah. there'll be a backlash to the backlash to the backlash. <laughs> and herein lies the TikTok Gen Z problem. But personally, I have no issue with her wanting to get her gut bacteria, her flora and fauna balanced. I am someone who has suffered from IBS. She mentioned that she was all out of whack after a trip to Mexico and wanted to do a reset. She did go to pains to say this wasn't a weight loss thing. This was a health thing. She wanted yes. to reset. We've all been there. I, I too once ate, <laughs> let's just say that one day when very drunk on New Year's Day, I ate yep. some Christmas turkey that had been on the sun. Yes, Christmas turkey. So it had been, we're talking like seven day old <laughs> turkey. 
and I got the worst salmonella poisoning. It was absolutely unbelievable. I was so sick, and then I just couldn't get my system back in order, and in the end had to do a quick, like basically a soup diet to, to oh. finally get things to settle down. So I sympathise on that front. Sure. And I just feel if that's what Lizzo wants to be doing – it's not on her if that's making other people feel badly about themselves. And I look to Lizzo for bangers. I look to Lizzo for tunes to get me side-touching aggressively. You know, I don't look to Lizzo for health and well-being tips for myself. That's not, that's, that's not how I view her in my, in my spectrum. She's a pop diva. And I think this this problem of assuming that all the people that we love on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook are perfect humans that aren't going to have flaws and make mistakes and therefore when they do something that pisses you off, then we've got to cancel them forever, is, is just shit and a hiding to nowhere. Do yes. You know do you know what I'm saying? I mean, I, mean, I sort of, I, I, if I'm completely honest, I mean, I watched the stories before I was even aware of the backlash because when Lizzo posts... I'm tuning in. I mean, she's sassy, hilarious and super entertaining and honest. Mm. Um, And there was, you know, if I'm honest, when I saw that she did it before and after, I was, I was a bit surprised because, because I felt like that had been something she'd been resisting against. And I just, I I was surprised, but Mm. it didn't, I mean, no, it's up to her to make her decisions about her health and body and what she wants to put online. A hundred percent. Correct. I don't think it's up to the general public to call her out. And I don't think it's harmful. I think she's explained it so many times. And I think if she wants to get healthy, I think if she, if she wants to live a long life and continue pumping out the hits, great. If that's what she needs to do to, to not have diarrhoea every day, let Lizzo not have diarrhoea. <laughs> I, I, I just feel like... Everyone's official position <laughs> on this situation. Let Lizzo have not diarrhoea. When I saw it posted, I didn't feel like she should be shamed. I just was like, this is my reaction. Oh, fuck, they're going to come for her. That was, a, that was what I said out loud. That was what I said out loud straight away. And surely enough, they did. But then the other shit that's been going down with two other Gen Z women, Florence Given is an author, illustrator, feminist, activist, and she's 22. Mm-hmm. She's written a book called Women Don't Owe You Pretty. It's a, it's a women of self-help book and she's part of that kind of 101 feminist entry point for Gen Z. You know, it's palatable, it's non-confronting, it's written in big pink bubbly writing. Um, mm. It's already, I mean, it's already terrifying to me to think. I mean, if I had written a manifesto oh. at 22, oh, oh. oh God. I mean, yeah. I'm just so glad. My manifesto <laughs> would have been something akin to... Aladdin is the superior Disney Renaissance classic over Beauty and the Beast. That's about as far as I would have got at that age. I agree, but he's not. So Marcella's just finished reading her book, Women Don't Owe You Pretty, and Marcella is majoring in gender studies at uni, so it's a field that she's interested in. But Marcella also kind of read it and said to me, it's good, but it's like what I just said. It's surface level. It's taking... Radical feminist ideas that, you know, women fought for over the decades and, you know, academics and activists established and gentrifying it and making it palatable and accessible. But in in the same process, she's now been accused of taking from black feminists and not acknowledging them properly. Mm. And so there's been this whole blow up this week and this 
this woman who has been put up on a pedestal. She's 22. She's got this funky mullet. She dumped her boyfriend. She's queer now. She's bisexual. And there's this whole thing called the floss effect where women are apparently dumping their boyfriends and husbands and getting girlfriends and cutting funky mullets and dancing with no bras on. The floss effect is apparently in full effect with a lot of Gen Zs. Wow. I know. It's this whole thing. And I'm only aware, again, of Florence because I have Gen Zs in the house. So, these, this is the only reason. I mean, I'll be, all I'll say is if the floss effect affects you, it would make for a fascinating 2021 season of this podcast. <laughs> no, I, I'm too tired for the floss effect and a mullet wouldn't suit my face. It's too round. Really, though? <laughs> I don't know about that. I, I feel for like you've toyed with elements of mullet more in like a sort of like a 60s, like Lulu style yeah, true, version true, true. of it. But I was in my 20s then. I was 25 when I did that. But the thing with Florence, when I first saw her in her funky mullet, in her amazing apartment, dancing around with no bra on, um, you know, like with Stevie Nicks and smoking and all that stuff, initially I, my guard went up and I was like, oh. I feel like she's selling the idea that if you cut a funky mullet and dump your boyfriend and start dating girls and not wear a bra, then your life's going to be amazing and you'll move to London and you'll get a book. And that's not how feminism works <laughs> for people who don't look like did. her. But yeah, yeah, but that's the problem. And she calls herself an intersectional feminist. But again, a, a few black feminists and writers have come forward and said, she's acknowledged us in, our, in her book. She has. She said, these are some of the black feminists that I've learned from and taken, you know, springboarded my ideas from, been inspired by. But then she hasn't given those women any monetary compensation. So a week ago, India Yezabel, an activist and writer, accused Florence of flat-out ripping off another writer, Chidera Yujuru. She's known as the Slum Flower on Instagram. Mm. They're both stablemates in the same management. She released a book in 2018 called What a Time to Be Alone and she has come out and said they're no longer friends and she feels that Florence copied her and – Herein lies the problem. So oh, we've got these two incredible women who are turned on each other. Now all of intersectional feminists are turning on each other. There's a whole war going on on social media between Florence fans, between black feminist activists who feel like white feminists have been benefiting from their hard work, but because they're white, they're more palatable. And again, <laughs> I feel like... And I'm not diminishing what's going on because I'm not educated enough on it. But I feel like all these brilliant women turning on each other, can't we take that energy and focus it to like dismantling the patriarchy? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, there's elements of it. The the whole basic notion of a 22-year-old becoming a global heavily platformed icon makes me a bit queasy on, on some levels. I agree. And then obviously, you know, if there's plagiarism at play, that's terrible. Sometimes I do think it is very easy to get caught up in sort of wars with your own tribe or, yes. or, or, or an extended version of your own tribe. And it can be frustrating. And there have been sometimes where I feel like I read so many feminist critiques of like for Other example, feminists? yeah. Well, like for example, Lena Dunham. I, she always strikes me as like the number of essays I've read about that woman, and mm. and you know, and, and I'm sure at the end of the day, the, there was some you know some problematic things. Yes, yes, but yes. She, you know, there's also plenty of achievements she did that is really impressive for someone so young and and mm. breaking new ground and everything like that. And at the end of the day, is she the big? bad enemy that you want to focus all your no. power on. I mean, not that you don't – no one should be above criticism. No. But we shouldn't be – like, why aren't we focusing that blowtorch on, you know, 
like I said. Oh, and the other, that- the other tricky thing is it's a fine line between, you know, obviously for any movement to be vital, the people have got to be having a debate about, you know, it's not, they can't be all uniform. It's got to be, Agreed. I think this idea is better than this. And, and yes. but at what point does that become making, making the movement better and stronger and smarter? And to what extent does it just become self-defeating? And how do you control that in social media? Yeah. I don't know. See, we can't if we can't have hard conversations about hard topics, if people are scared to voice their opinions when they go against the popular tide, then we can never grow. We can never move forward. Things can never get better. And if someone voices an opinion that's different to yours, you can't just cancel them. That's mm. this is and this is what's happening. But I do want to point out that Florence and Chidera, they have been very respectful towards each other. It's the rabid following. It's the fans. It's the blind fans that are are just slinging mud left and right. Moving on to funner stuff. (laughs) Obviously this year there's been a lot of talk, a lot of dancing around women carried the domestic load, the enormous domestic load of the international pandemic, especially if they're in families, right? If they were at home and the kids were homeschooling and they also had a job and yes. they also had to kind of keep everyone going. And it's been this a lot podcast of talk about has it. documented the vast difference between <laughs> your lockdown experience <laughs> and mine, where you had the pressure to keep a family physically, psychologically, spiritually on track regardless of how you were feeling. Whereas for me, yeah. it was gin and reruns of Will and Grace. <laughs> well, look, it wasn't a commentary on you. But no, I, I know. Feel that was the reality. Yeah. And whenever I spoke about it in the intro, I always get the, the biggest reactions I always get from our listeners is when I talk about how tired I am, <laughs> how I feel like I'm doing all the work, how I don't know how to make it stop. It's it's a prison of my own making. And I always get that, oh, my God, I feel so seen. Yes. So it is a, it's a pandemic of its own making. So a pandemic has caused another pandemic of exhausted women across the world. I finally hit my ceiling with my family and um, I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to purge. <laughs> Please tell us what the final straw was that broke the camel's back. I hope it was something <laughs> seemingly minor. It was. Okay. And it was very on brand. I just want to say I do not know this story, by the way. I know some shit went down at the beach. I've got that vibe more than anything, but I don't know what (laughs) triggered it and how it manifests itself. Please continue. This is the ultimate save for content (laughs) because normally you would have got the phone call straight away and you would have been made to drive down to where we were. So we went away for the weekend. I booked a beach holiday because I saw the weather was going to be amazing. It was total impulse. I saw a house come up. It was an awesome house. It was cheaper than normal because it's just before Christmas and no right person in their right mind goes away just before Christmas. So we got down there Friday. Uh, Scott had gone elsewhere for a bike ride. He was joining us Saturday night. So it was good. We got there fine. Um, I've, you know, done all the packing and arranging and booking and food shopping and all that stuff. (laughs) Everything basically is what you're saying. You've done everything. Yeah. That's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's not fine, but we'll get to that. So Friday night was good. The girls and I kind of sat up and watched some telly and then the next morning the girls slept in and I got up very early with Elio because he started getting up at 4.30 in the morning and I was just a bit tired. And so by about 9 o'clock Elio and I had already been to the beach. We were out swimming. The girls kind of rallied and came outside and then they were lounging around the pool. Mm-hmm. And at about 11 o'clock I um, – well, I got my period. I said to the girls, can one of you – 
I, I, you know, everyone, everyone here who's listening who menstruates, you get, kind of get that feeling of like, I don't know, like uh, a marble dropping down. Like you just know, oh, there it is. Mm. Um, I'm wearing my bathers, but I'm around the girls. That's okay. It's fine. It's not because I'm at a public pool or anything. And I just said, oh, I just got my period. Can someone mind the baby so I can go inside, please? Well, listeners would know the December cycle critical point is something that we've been fearful of. Continue. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it has all the makings of a true disaster. It's basically lucky everyone in this situation is still alive. Go on. Correct. Thank you for knowing me. Thank you for making me feel seen. So I'm like, girls, can someone, can someone hold the baby so I can go inside, please? Go go to the toilet? Nothing. Oh. No, neither, neither of them looked over. Neither of them looked over. So I stood up. I literally had a blood running. It was the most dramatic thing running down the inside of my leg. And I said. I'm sorry. I'm not laughing. <laughs> oh, mate. Horrendous. But again, in the privacy of my home. And I said to them, girls, I have my period and I need to go to the toilet and not one of you can hold your brother for three seconds. And they both snapped their heads over. And Odie said, oh, I'll hold him. And I'm like, oh, how generous of you. <laughs> Don't worry. So then I took him inside with me on my hip, marched inside, slammed the door, did the clean up, sat him on like just on the ground with me and then I stayed inside. I didn't go back out to the pool. And I was just stewing. I was simmering. I was slow cooking rage. I was in my jeu. And were you plotting exactly how you would articulate this rage? Were sentences oh, yeah. coming in your head or more actions? Oh, yes. Oh, yes, sentences. It was, and I sat there looking out while they lay by the pool. By the pool paid for the money that I had it. That, that was a sentence ready to go in there. In the grand tradition of every parent who's angry. I work, I work all day to give you this. Thank you. <laughs> I would say we slow cooked for a good six hours. Mm. So I spent the rest of the day... Just not speaking to them. Oh, yeah. Because it would be easy to flash pan my rage. It would have been easy to just go out there and just like just sear the steak and just spit some hot oil at them. No, no, no. Everyone knows if you want the strong flavour to come from a <laughs> from like a, a piece of beef, you pop it in a slow cooker and you allow it to marinate in its own juices. <laughs> so a slow cooked rage is better than a fast seared minute steak rage. So oh. as, as I got to, the meat was just falling off the bone as I prepared my onslaught. <laughs> the crock pot had been on full for the maximum oh, amount stunning. of time. The herbs and spices were beyond aromatic. It was beautiful. The house had a lovely, rich aroma. <laughs> really good. So um, I'd rang Scott before I approached my daughters. I rang Scott. He was coming back down. He was coming down on a train mm. <laughs> and he was on a train as I was launching. And I, he said, how's it going? I said, well, actually, now that you've asked, we have two entitled, selfish children <laughs> who wouldn't even hold the baby as my period blood ran down my leg. <laughs> and I just, I've worked so hard all year to make sure that they were okay and not once did either of them ask me if I was okay. And he's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's on a train, a full train, wearing a mask. <laughs> And he then he revealed to me that he, in fact, didn't have a mask. He had to wear a T-shirt. So he had a T-shirt tied around his face because <laughs> he'd forgotten his mask. And he said, there's this, imagine on the other end watching Scott on the train. 
with a t-shirt around his head, just this woman screaming on the other end. He was going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I said to him, why aren't you reacting? Why, why, why are you just agreeing with me? I don't understand what's going on. And he's like, I'm on a train. I don't know what you want me to say. <laughs> so then I hung up on him and I said, I'm going home. So then I started loudly packing my suitcase and the baby's suitcase. Mm. Packing. And then the girls both kind of came out of their bedrooms and that was it. That was my moment. So I fucking I stood up, slammed the suitcase and I said, I'm going home. And Marcella made the mistake of saying, I think that's a bit of an overreaction. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> what a rookie error. <laughs> She said, why? What's wrong? I said, I have spent the last eight months making sure you're okay at uni. And I pointed out, making sure you're okay at school. The homeschooling's happening. The internet connection's fine. You're all fed. We've got activities. I bought Trivial Pursuit. I worked. I, I, I did Instagram campaigns. I haven't been able to do anything I wanted to do. And she couldn't even hold the baby when I got my period. And they were both looking at me like, I can just, I just wanted to know how keenly I'm relating to every player in this story at the moment. (laughs) Mostly you, obviously, mostly you. (laughs) Thank you. And they're both just staring at me and like, Odie's like, what what do you want me to do? And I said, I want you to remember to feed the dog when we ask you to. And Chella's like, oh my God. So Chella's gone downstairs and starts cleaning the kitchen. Her immediate response is to go and clean the kitchen. And then I'm like, don't even bother, you're too late. (laughs) (laughs) So then I pack, it's 39 million degrees. I pack all the suitcases up. It's so hot. And then I I pack the whole car up. Everything's happening. And then I'm too tired to drive. So I've made this whole stand. And then um, Scott checks in. He's like, are you okay? I'm like, I'm going home. He's like, can you just wait for me? I'm like, okay, I'll wait for you. I just needed an excuse to not have to drive. So then I announced at the house, I'm waiting for your father to get here. And then I'm leaving. <laughs> and then I went to bed and fell asleep. So. <laughs> <laughs> I just want you to know that when I do the screen adaptation of that sequence, of that part of the day, <laughs> Peter Morgan style, like most of your monologue will be delivered with the period blood still down your leg. And I'm actually considering you might even be on the train carriage with Scott when it happens. I think I might reset it there so that other women on the train can be yelling out, yeah, girl, and then supporting you and shaming the family. It would be riveting. Don't worry. So then, you know, like everyone's a bit weird on Sunday and sheepish and like, I'm like, mm. like, oh, my God. And then I, I, and then I was able to kind of calmly take them each aside and apologise for my over-the-top delivery. But I did, was able to calmly say, I feel like all of you have had all your needs met this year, but none of you checked in on mum. And I feel very taken advantage of and I feel like you are you have this idea that you're entitled to my effort that it's just a given, that I just get up every day and I live to serve. And no mother gets up every day and thinks, yes, I really want to wash the skid marks out of my kids' undies today. That's not how we're wired. We just do it because we've been conditioned to think that's what we need to do for everyone all the time. Mm. So I, I was very calm about it. I apologised for the dramatics and wow. I said to my child, yeah, I was very – like, because this holiday is just going to always be remembered for the time mum let the period blood run down her leg as she screamed at everyone. And, yeah, fair. It really will be. Even with me, it will be. It worked in that 
everyone kind of pulled their bootstraps up and is checking in on me and making sure that they're helping and I don't know how long it's going to last. It was the dramatic crescendo that had to happen. Of course it was going to happen in the lead up to Christmas. Better that it happened now and not on Christmas Day. That would have been riveting too. What with my whole family here? Oh, Oh my God. Well, I suppose we shouldn't rule it out. (laughs) It could still come to pass. (laughs) It could. It could. But the end of the moral of the story is don't let your resentment slow cook for so long that you're standing there with your two-year-old son on your hip. Screaming at your teenage daughters <laughs> while your husband's on a train looking like some kind of ye olde time robber and, and you're just melting down while you menstruate. The menstruate meltdown is just not ideal. So the moral of the story is address it as soon as you feel it. Don't let it fester over an international pandemic, okay? <laughs> We've learnt nothing. The silver lining is excellent content. Excellent content. <laughs> Terrible personal pain. But also, I just want to say I love our podcast so much because I would never have been allowed to tell that story on Commercial Breakfast Radio <laughs> in a million bajillion years. So thank you. Now, before we end for the year, I'm hyper aware that was very much me, 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 me. So I wanted to end the year on a surprise Madonna pop quiz for Oh, how exciting slash terrifying. You know I'm going to take this very seriously. <laughs> it's a surprise Madonna pop quiz. If I can't nail Michael. this, yeah. who am I? What I, have I been doing for the past 35 years of my life? <laughs> it's true. It's true. So I've taken a quiz to end our year to say Merry Christmas to everyone from Pop Expresso. Espresso, not espresso. I'm not saying espresso wrong. Pop Got it. It's espresso. not a coffee situation. It's a no, Madonna's no, classic no. 1989 anthem. Yes. Yes. And it's labelled, are you the ultimate Madonna fan? I believe I am. How, <laughs> how well do you know Madonna? For more than three decades, Madonna has been the indisputable queen of pop. And not even newcomers can take her off the throne. Find out if you're the ultimate queen of pop fan. Okay, here we go. Do I win something? Just, just if I get if I nail nah. this, or just respect. Yeah, it's respect. Okay. Question one: When was Madonna born? Nineteen fifty-eight, August uh, sixteen. I'm not going to let you know if you're right. Oh, oh, correct. Oh. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, this is easy. What religion was Madonna brought up with? Oh, Catholic. Yeah. In 1978, Madonna famously arrived in New York City with what? It says you get a choice. A, a bag. B, $35 in her pockets. C, a boyfriend. D, a guitar. B, $35. Correct. <gasps> people say that's, in- that's a bit, people say she might be lying about that. <laughs> but it's a good story. I respect it. In what famous restaurant chain did Madonna work as a waitress in New York? Oh, I know she worked at Dunkin' Donuts, but I don't know whether that's, Considered a restaurant chain. Is that your answer? I'm going to say Dunkin' Donuts, okay. Or, or there was also the Russian tea rooms that she worked at, but I think they mean Dunkin' Donuts. You are correct. Uh. Wow. <laughs> what was the name of the new wave band Madonna formed and played with? Emmy. Incorrect. <gasps> oh, hang on. Uh, what is it? 
um, the Breakfast Club. Oh, she wasn't okay. Yes, but she was in multiple bands. Okay, she sure. was definitely in a band called Emmy. Yes, correct. But mm. this was the proper official. Okay, new sure, wave band. sure, sure. Damn Incorrect. It. Woo! Madonna was the backup singer and dancer for which Patrick Hernandez. Wow. Born to be alive. She toured with him. Went to France. Yep. (laughs) So entertaining. Madonna's first single was what? Everybody. Correct. I know people think it's Holiday. That was just her first hit. (laughs) I love this side of you. (laughs) The debut album Madonna was released in what year? 1983. Correct. Yeah, so she's coming up to 40 years of her career anniversary. Like, crazy. Anyway. Where was Like a Virgin filmed? Venice. Correct. Wow. (laughs) Who were the support act featured on Madonna's first US tour in The Beastie Boys. (gasps) Oh. Isn't so that good. wild that they were? But they that were. is wild. On the music video, Material Girl, who does Madonna impersonate? Marilyn Monroe. Correct. This is too easy. In 1985, Madonna made her debut as an actress in which movie? Desperately Seeking Susan. Correct. She also controversially married which Hollywood actor Sean in 1980? This is crazy. It's too easy. Sean Penn. Which 1986 song Madonna composed for British model and singer Nick Kamen? <gasps> Oh, damn it, this one. It's like never um, or breaking hearts, something well, something about broken hearts and never. Uh, Come on. Every, t- every time you break my heart. Is that it? Yes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many questions. Oh, my God. I'm only halfway through. What's the name of Madonna's third album? Uh, True Blue. What is Madonna's best-selling album? Well, do we count the Immaculate Collection? No. Then I believe it's... And is it worldwide or just in America? Worldwide. Then it's True Blue, I think. Correct. Yeah. What's the US title of the movie documentary that Madonna released in 1991 focusing on her blonde ambition tour? Truth or Dare. US title. Truth or Dare. Correct. God. In 1990, Madonna starred... In the movie Dick Tracy and had a con. Oh, not even asking that. She was not even asking that. Oh, you're an expert. There's nothing hard. What name did Madonna give her? Oh, Maverick. I know that. What Seattle grunge band did she sign in 1993 for her label? Oh, that's got me. Is it is it Candlebox or something like that? Oh, you're fucking joking me. That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> All right, final two questions. What song is not featured on the double album Erotica? Erotica, Secret, Deeper and Deeper, Rain. Secret. So easy. Secrets from Bedtime Story. Yeah, okay. Final question. <laughs> I'm trying to find a Now I'm getting embarrassed at how well I've done. I I went from being desperate to do well to thinking, what have I shown about myself? Anyway. Oh, these are so easy. Okay. Some of them weren't. That grunge band question was not easy. It was easy. You knew it. Yeah, but only only if you were, like, rabidly interested in not just her own. The weird thing about it is it's, it's when it's, like, you're not just interested in her own creative output but other acts <laughs> that she's been somehow involved with. That's when you know. 
What's the title of Madonna's ninth studio album? Okay, I'm going to count. I'm going to have to count through. So we've got Madonna, Like a Virgin, True Blue. Oh, what do you count as studio albums? Like a Prayer. And then I guess it depends whether... Do we count I'm Breathless as a studio album or is it a soundtrack album? <laughs> I'm going to say it's a studio album and then I'm going to say Erotica, Bedtime Stories, and then... I'm going to say we don't count Evita, but we do count Ray of Light. And then, so it would be muse. It would be music, but it would be music unless, unless we didn't count I'm breathless, in which case it would be American life. Which one is it? I'm going to say music. Incorrect. What is it? (laughs) American life. Oh, damn it. Well, that, I'm just going to say that's ruled out on a technicality. I had the knowledge. It's just that that's just about definitions. That's terminology. You're amazing. You are the (laughs) ultimate Donna fan. Well done. Congratulations, Michael Lucas. (laughs) Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I feel vindicated and yet somehow slightly ashamed. (laughs) Well, that's it. That's it for us. What a ride. Thank what a you. year. What a decade. I know it wasn't yeah, a decade, but yeah, I mean, I every once in a while I think to myself, J-Lo and Shakira did the Super Bowl this year and not even like at the very beginning of this year. They did that in March. I mean, <laughs> that's wild. That was another lifetime. I know. Is there anything you want to say to the Emsolation listeners as your last chance for 2020 before we – we're back in February, but is there anything you want to say? Obviously, <laughs> a message. A massive thank you with a slight edge of what are you thinking? But thank you for listening to our conversations and sticking with us. We go to some really weird places. I'm astonished that people have been able to stay with us on some of those strange whirlpools we go down into. I'm almost quite moved by the fact that people have been able to. I feel like it's kind of, it's a real sign of love if people have held <laughs> their way through our conversations because I feel like you were promised a nice, beautiful canoe ride and in the end it was a white water situation and, <laughs> and you did not have a life jacket. And if you're still here and obviously you've, you've, you've choked on a bit of water and you're looking a bit dishevelled but you're still here going, yeah, worth it, then thank you. Thank you. It's it's the true it's the true measure. We we made it harder and harder for people to play along, and those who are left are the ultimate survivors. You make we don't have to put your tiki torch out; it burns bright. Thank you so much for being here. <laughs> All right, I'll talk to you later. Goodbye. Bye. This is Emsolation. All right, that's it. Oh my goodness, have you recovered from my story? <laughs> have a wonderful. Christmas, Hanukkah, however you celebrate this time of year, uh, enjoy your family, protect your boundaries, protect yourself. That's probably the big takeaway for me this year is um, water your own little garden first so that other things can grow. And I'm still in the process of mastering that, but I am getting very good with the help of my new therapist, at letting go of the guilt of watering my garden first. I don't know why I've become a garden analogy. I want to thank Michael Lucas for being so generous with his time this year, for always being available despite putting on, you know, huge television shows, working very long hours. He's my very best friend in the world. I love him so much. I am so glad that we get to do this together. I want to thank Matt Curry 
He's the guy that puts everything together. He's the steady hand of the ship. He's the guy I call when I'm very nervous about something, when things go wrong. He's the tech department. He's an incredible man. He is just, I don't even know how I could ever thank Matt Curry enough. Matt, you're listening to this now while you're listening for edits, for too many swear words, for incorrect things that I've said. Leave this in. You're a bloody gem. I could not have done this year without you. Tony Kipper, our producer extraordinaire. She's a good girl. She's been very helpful. She knows all the things I need without me asking. So I want to thank them. Ben Wosley, my darling big Ben, I love you. Ben writes all the incredible, you know, little podcast descriptions that you read in Spotify and iTunes. And I want to thank Podcast One who, uh, you know, yes, we're leaving the nest, but they inspired me to make this podcast in the first place. They, they gave me the confidence to do it. So thank you very much, Podcast One. And to you guys, of course, thank you. And my, our patrons, the Emsolators and Emsolovers, we'll be back in February, first week. Keep in touch online, on social media. That's where all the news will be coming at you. And um, from the bottom of my black heart, oh, my God, I'm crying. Who is she? Thank you very much. Bye.